I'm never ever going to deny it. It is a fact that one of the most important tasks for a talent team is to acquire people, to, to hire people. But as we all know, the job isn't done and doesn't stop the minute a candidate joins the business. You don't sort of, you're not a typewriter, you've got to the end and you, you know, you push it back to the beginning and start that journey again. There's, there's more to be done with that candidate now colleague, there's more to be done with the, the, the hiring managers, there's more forecasting and planning that can be done. Armani, welcome to the Tales of Talent podcast. I'm super thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks, no, thank you for having me. Got really excited. There is so much I would like to get through in such a short space of time. So let's dive straight into it with a bit of an overview to set the scene. Plentific has been on a remarkable journey, but for those that haven't heard of the company, could you share with us the story of Plentific, what the company does and your role? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're Plentific. We are the world's leading real-time property solution. We've, we've essentially developed a SaaS technology platform, which helps landlords, letting agents, property managers to streamline their operations, um, unlock revenue, increase tenant satisfaction and remain compliant. Um, that's the one side of the platform. And then on the other side, um, we, we help SMEs and large service providers to, um, access more work essentially uh we're a global business now we're just under 300 employees across various locations in the uk us germany further afield in europe and um, turkey as well uh post series c uh, we're backed by some of the biggest players in the in the industry such as uh, brookfield highland europe mavadala ao PropTech, uh, and others um, founder-led, two, two co-founders who, who were friends from uh, investment banking world here in London, um, kind of uh, invested in and owned a lot of property and, and felt that managing said properties and, and repairs and things was, was, was pretty difficult and thought there must be a better way of, of doing this. Um, so, so that's essentially how and where the idea was born. My role? Um, I am the global head of talent here at Plentific. So essentially that's, that is what it does, what it says on the tin, look after all things from a talent perspective across all of those locations. So anything that we, we hire for, um, comes, comes to me and my, my very capable team. And we, we go and do our best to find them. I was doing a bit of research in the, in the prop tech space, and it seems like an absolutely massive opportunity. I think it's a $2.5 trillion business opportunity um, and I'm sure uh, Plentific are well, well positioned to uh, take a decent slice of that. Um, so yeah, thanks for, for sharing that um, overview. There's a lot of um, areas within talent that I would like to dive into, but before we do so, um, why don't we talk about your, your background? You've got quite an interesting background having studied computer science. The first question I have is how and why did you get into recruitment? You, you could have done anything. You, you clearly had the smarts to, to, to do uh, most things, shall we say. Um, so, so how did that opportunity come about? Yeah, I think well, you're, you're too kind there. I don't think that's fully, fully accurate, but I think um, it's a very good question. I think, you know, ultimately no one grows up wanting to be a recruiter. Um, 
and I, and I, I don't think that will change anytime soon. Um, but for, for me, I, I went to a leading private school um, and, and not going to uni never really came up as a as an option. I look back on my time now and realise that not once was it discussed that it's okay or, or that, you know, it's, it's, it's a route. We had UCAS lessons or, you know, we were, uh, all my mates, everyone around me was going and viewing unis and putting in applications and things. So it wasn't really an option. Um, and I wasn't one of those kids that ever grew up knowing what they wanted to be. Um, and so I decided to study computer science because aside from sport, IT was my strongest subject at, at school. But then I think pretty quickly into my degree, I realized that it, it probably wasn't for me. It's quite different to IT at school. A lot of, a lot more maths comes into it, et cetera, which wasn't actually one of my, one of my strong suits. Um, but knowing how hard my, my mum worked to, to help give me the opportunity to go to university um, and, and just not being much of a quitter myself, um, I battled on and, and came out of there with came out of Nottingham University with the with with the computer science degree. But then there, there I was back in London with a degree that I think you know I didn't want to use for its traditional um, purposes, shall we say, um, and still with little idea of of what I wanted to do. Um, naturally, I suppose recruitment opportunities came up more and more for graduates. Um, and the more I thought about them, the more I interviewed and, and spoke to people about them, and the more I became interested. Uh, I'm quite, I'm a relatively nosy person and, and a bit of a people person too. So it's essentially a profession where those two go hand in hand and, and you know, being nosy is acceptable. Um, so then, yeah, took, took, took a role as a recruitment consultant. Um, and once I started, I, I got off to a flyer, which I think helps big time in recruitment. Um, absolutely loved it and haven't looked back since. Great. And do you think your degree in computer science helped um, in your kind of career in, in recruitment? Because for the first couple of years or, or maybe even longer, you specialised just in in, um, in Ruby on Rails. Um, <clears throat> but I'm sure you, you covered other areas of, of, uh, of tech. So did did that did that help was that a big advantage um you know when you when you looked at um your your colleagues um who, who didn't come from that technical background um do, do you know it's funny i think if you'd have asked me that question when i was when i was at a recruitment agency i'd have probably said no um but certainly now i'm no longer at an agency and i look back on it i think it, it had a it was a huge advantage um recruitment's competitive uh, by its by its very nature and that's either with other agencies or with other candidates or with your peers and colleagues at your 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 current agency. I think it needs to be like that. But I felt I, I you know I, I needed to have a point of difference with both clients and candidates. And I think I used my degree to my advantage to open doors, ensure my calls were answered. Um, but I think more impactfully, it meant that when I was speaking to people, I could relate to them. A little bit more than perhaps others or peers or or, or yeah i suppose competitors um i had a basic a base level understanding of what they were talking about when they were speaking about their roles the the languages technologies working methodologies etc um and then i think from there uh i think that that enabled me to gain some credibility and and buy-in which is which is key as a recruiter you were doing really well at Explore Group, um, a member of the executive team heading up the permanent hire division. So I'm sure you must have been doing pretty well for yourself financially. 
So my question is two part really. How did the opportunity come about to join Plaintific? And when that opportunity did arise, what was your thought process at the time that led you to walk away from everything you had built for yourself, all the all the hard work and um, I guess the uh, good paycheck you, you you were probably leaving behind? Yeah, and the blood blood sweat and tears. Um, I think I think it's the other way around for me. Um, Plentific came up as an opportunity after I'd made the the decision to to move on from Explore. Um, I, I loved my time at Explore and, and still still very close to a number of people there. I think. As you said, I think my trajectory there and my success there was probably, probably in a in a way played a, a major, major part in why I felt I needed a new challenge. I'd reached quite a high level very quickly, and as you said, yes, the the, the lifestyle, the finances were, were all fantastic. But to do that and and then reaching a senior level, managing twenty plus people, etc., is it takes its toll. Um, recruitment agencies you know it's not a nine to five it's a lot of evenings it's it's weekends it's a it's a 24 7 job really and and i think i'd hit a, a stage in life where i'd been in the city for a while i'd enjoyed that city lifestyle and 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 i think it, it essentially i just thought i need to i need to rebalance this a little bit um going to another agency was never an option for me because it was nothing against explore or the or the people there as i said still very close to them um but i had started to think about look when you work at a recruitment agency you 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 get to see firsthand how how well or how poorly a company's recruitment um, process and strategy is and i noticed that i could i felt confident that for many clients I i could fix it i could i could make it better for them um plentific were were one of my clients when i was at agency um and i worked very closely with them i had some success with them and as i said got quite a good understanding of where their recruitment process probably needed improving um so once i'd made the 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 decision to move i think what was also key for me is i didn't want to i knew i wanted to move in house but i didn't want to join a large in-house team i didn't want to become a small cog in a pretty well-oiled machine um, and I wanted to challenge myself to the max. And that for me was being the first and, and probably the only for a while talent person to you know, challenge myself to make a significant change and help build something from the ground up. Plenty of it were the right size. Um, they were in the right industry in terms of well, obviously not so much prop tech for me then, but tech and, and their, their tech stack was stuff that I'd recruited for before, et cetera. Um, and then from you know knowing the founders from working with them on, on agency side but then going through sort of speaking with them and and getting to know them even better and their vision and ambition um it was a it was a perfect match for me so i yeah decided to take the leap you joined as the first in-house talent person at a time of rapid growth what were some of the things you started to put in place or change when you joined that enabled Plaintific to deliver on the headcount growth. For example, um, I've been at Ninefin for just over a year now. And looking back, one of the things I wish I did earlier was start to build the talent team quicker. I tried to do all of the hiring myself, which didn't give me the time to focus on the bigger picture. So yeah, are there are there any things that you put in place um, or changed um, that the business really benefited from? Taking taking the time to 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 breathe, you know, you, you and what I mean by that is is you're brought in as a talent person, and, and everyone kind of expects that. Okay, fine, 
great recruitment's going to work really easily, really well now. So it's almost count, count counters your question or the opposite. But I didn't change a lot when I when I initially joined. I wanted to see firsthand from from inside how it works, who who's responsible for what, etc. You know, then started to take a deeper dive into things and and I simply broke things down into small wins and, and and quick wins and longer term sort of projects that would help improve. Quick wins being, you know, Plentific worked with a, a huge number of agencies when I joined, um, and there was no real governance around T's and C's or you know who had signed with who, and we were getting the same candidate from four or five different agencies, all claiming ownership and things like that. So implemented a PSL pretty quickly, um, got them in to meet with the teams, meet with me, show them the office, really give them that extra layer of, of being an extension of, of Plentific as opposed to just someone who or a company who just provides us with candidates. Um, and then getting getting to know our hiring managers and interviewers very well, understanding their backgrounds, understanding what they look for in candidates, etc. Um, and implementing interview processes that meant we were competitive. We were, you know, this was at a time when you know there was a, there was a real tech boom it was it was there was it, you had to be quick you had to be swift you had to make decent offers to to candidates to secure them they had plenty of options um so i don't know that that answers your question but i didn't change a lot but but immediately but took the time to assess what do i really need to change straight away what can bring us immediate value and what are longer term things that um i can start to work on over you know 3 6 9 12 months but I do agree with you. I think I think if if I was to have my time again, it's exactly what 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 you just said. I think I would have tried to 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 build out the talent team by one, maybe two people a lot sooner than I did. Um, I think part of me was 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 trying to prove a point to myself as well that I can do this. Um, but actually, you know, there's a lot of important things that that came about that 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 you know fell fell further down the list when you're just hiring a huge number of people you know things like interview training playbooks hiring strategies headcount projection all that kind of stuff that i think would have made us even more efficient had we had more time to and resource to to, to actually put them in place at, at, at an earlier stage so i think you're you're 100 right i think we're aligned there you've been a member of the leadership team at plentific for some time now what are some of the key things you've learned from other leaders in the business um, that that you've you've taken on and, uh, and and benefited from in the role that you do? Yeah, that that's a, that's a tricky one. It's a lot, um, and it's hard to narrow down. But but I'll, I'll give it a stab. Um, I think I think resilience is certainly one. Um, I think I always thought I was a a resilient person. I think I think I am. But seeing others. Um, accept bad hands they're dealt with and, and find solutions almost immediately and positively and with enthusiasm and energy is, is something that I've certainly I've certainly picked up. Um, I think to trust in your gut, I, I throughout my career I've listened and trusted my gut a lot, but I think seeing the, the strength of a gut feeling play out exactly as predicted more often than not um, only reinforces that, that message or belief um to follow the leader um I, you know i still to this day find it incredible how hands-on the leaders are at, at plentific and the number of tasks they take on no one here would ask you to do something that 
that they wouldn't do, haven't done, or don't do themselves. Um, you know, we we are a hierarchical business, like like most, but you know, it truly doesn't feel like that here at Plentific, and that that is one of our definitely to me anyway one of our our best qualities. I think I'll give you one more because you know everyone everyone likes likes this one. I think I think to celebrate, um, I, you know, I, I, look personally, I'm not the biggest fan of the phrase "work hard, play hard," um, simply for the fact that it just isn't true and it's not possible. Um, I, you know, if I had my way, I'd rephrase it as sort of "work hard, play a little." But you know, I appreciate that then doesn't doesn't work for the point it tries to make. Uh, but anyway, celebrating wins, no matter how small, um, I think is important for everyone. It's, it's a constant, regular reminder that, that that everyone's efforts are working and making making a huge difference. So, those are all things that 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 certainly I've learned from the leaders in uh, at Plantific and and my colleagues and peers, um, and things that I will continue to take forward in in in, in my own career for sure. Really good insights there. Um, let's talk about. The topic of talent. I feel talent has evolved a lot to being more than just talent acquisition, um, to put it in, in other words, essentially just filling roles. What are your thoughts on the role of talent function in the modern organization? Yeah, I mean I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think I think successful talent functions do so much more than just source and hire and again, as you said, bums on seats. We we've got a lot more to offer than that. Um, I think strong talent teams can help with a, a range of challenges, uh, you know, comp and bends, retention, engagement, development, progression, brand, headcount forecasting, internal mobility, teams restructuring, org design. Look, you, you name it; the list goes on. Um, and and I think, I think ultimately, the word acquisition can be a little bit misleading in that regard. Um, of, of course, and I'm never ever going to deny it. It's, it is a fact that one of the most important tasks for a talent team is to acquire people, to, to hire people. But as we all know, the job isn't done and doesn't stop the minute a candidate joins the business. You don't sort of, you're not a typewriter. You've got to the end and you you know you push it back to the beginning and start that journey again. There's there's more to be done with that candidate now colleague, there's more to be done with the, the, the hiring managers, there's more forecasting and planning that can be done. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's now, it's now, it's getting there. It's now a far more recognized and important function for businesses than I think perhaps it, it once was. I still think there's there's work to be done in that regard. Um, but but certainly it's more than, again, going back to, to, to your, your question, it's certainly more than just bums on seats now, yeah. And there are many ways to assess the success of a, of a, of a talent function um, and recruitment metrics are, are definitely uh, a tool um, that, that if used effectively can really help paint a, a good picture of um, what's working, what's not working, where are areas that can be optimized. Now, recruitment metrics, we all know there's a gazillion metrics that you can really measure if you, if you wanted to. Um, but what recruit metrics have you found to be the most useful for yourself and your team at Plentific? Um, what uh, metrics um, do you track, um, and that have shown to be the most useful ones? Yeah, I'm glad you said. I'm glad you said for myself and my team there, because what I was about to say before you said that is it depends who's who's asking. That you know, different people, hiring managers have different metrics they see as being more important, and quite rightly, finance teams do, founders do. 
um, exec team, senior. It's all they're, they're all different, but for for me and my team, you know, there's obviously the obvious ones such as you know quality of applicants measured by you know the number of applications or candidates that make it through each stage of your process, analyzing how efficient your funnel is, basically. Um, an important one clearly is obviously your offer to hire ratio. And and this is, this is a funny one. I think people sometimes think a hundred percent is the goal. It, it can't be the goal because, you know, if a hundred percent of people you make an offer to say yes, then there's a few flags there. You know, are you overpaying, over promising? Are you sure you're hiring best in class on the flip side too low a ratio raises the opposite questions as well. So finding that sweet spot, and I think that sweet spot is different for for you and your your company as well. Um, But once you find that sweet spot, then you can be more comfortable with with what that ratio is. Um, Ultimately, the data points you get from your offer to hire ratio will will help you to ensure that your offering as well is is as as competitive as possible. Um, And then if if you dig even deeper and understand the true reasons as to why someone chooses to decline or accept your offer, um, can you get some really, really significant insights in that regard? Um, I think related to this point as well, that, or to that point, sorry, is your candidate experience. Um, is no secret. There are so many different ways you can measure this and lots of tools, questionnaires that can help. Um, but sometimes it can be a little bit over-engineered, I find. Um, for example, every month I sit down with with everyone that joined the business, no matter what location or role, and and ask them for their honest assessment of their candidate journey with us. And honestly, hand on heart, it's my favorite favorite meeting of the month. I get so much from it. I think it's a it's a myth or misconception that everyone who joined your business has had a great candidate experience, and that's not the case. By asking people for their honest views, colleague to colleague, it gives you amazing insights as to what what you can improve on, what you can double down on because you're doing well in. Um, because ultimately now they're a colleague, you've got, you've now got the same goal in mind. Um, but I think the most important metric that, that, that fits for not just me or us as a talent team and fits for the, the wider business, hiring managers, finance, founders, et cetera, is, is time to hire. Um, not so much time to fill. And I'll explain kind of how, at least how I see the differences there. I think okay, they're called different things in different places, but you know, time to fill being from when you open a role or requisition through to, to it being filled, essentially. It's not so much that, more for me, time to hire. Um, you know, if it's time to fill, things happen. You pivot on roles, you can tweet a, tweak a JD, you can change the location, et cetera, et cetera. But what I really want to know is, is that, and ensure is that when we do find a, the right candidate for, for any role, that we've moved swiftly and efficiently through our entry process, culminating in their hire. So that 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 for me is time to hire in terms of uh, when a candidate started their journey to finishing with us is is probably the most important metric because it encompasses a lot of the others as well. And when the time to hire a uh, number or, or metric um, is is much longer than than uh, than the goal, what are some of the uh, things that that reveals it's a really good question it reveals a, a million different things the key the key is not to just brush it under the carpet and go oh, it's a one-off or that team normally hires more efficiently so we can forgive them this one it's about drilling in and understanding why where was the where was the blockage what was the reason was it the fact that 
I don't know, the, after the interview panel were on holiday in, in July. Could be, could be something as simple as that. Could be that the case study that maybe you sent out was, it took a huge amount of time to come back from the candidate. Is that because, you know, they they are busy and they're working and they've got their own lives as well? Is that because they're interviewing elsewhere? Is that because we were perhaps lower down on their priority list to begin with? I don't know. Um, you can look at yourselves as well. Did we pick up that candidate's application quick enough? Was there a delay there between them applying and having an initial interview with one of us that could have been five, six, seven days? So pick out uh, uh, what I do monthly is map out across each stage how many days it's taken to get through to each stage. And I highlight the ones in red where there's a significant jump and then go and drill into that and look at what's the reason for that. Um, and sometimes it's easily explainable. You know, as I said, you've sent a case study to a candidate who receives it and says, I'm going on holiday for a week with my family. I'll tackle this when I come back. So that's seven days you've lost, but almost seven days you can you can wipe out from that metric because it's it's nothing that is really the, the fault of anyone or can even be improved. Um, but drilling into it is 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 really valuable and, and, and it helps to identify areas you can improve. For example, the panel example I gave earlier, if half of your interview panel is on holiday and therefore you can't schedule that interview in, then do we need a bench? Or do we need to look at that panel? Who is on the panel? Who can we, who can step in for them? Who needs training to be able to step in for them, et cetera? One other thing I want to touch on is building the brand. Um, and that's the employer brand. That's also individual brand, but also uh, founder uh, brand. Um, I appreciate not, not all, all founders um, want to have, a, have an online presence or a, a, a social presence, but for us, it's worked really well. So our, our co-founder and CEO, Stephen Hunter, is very active on LinkedIn. And I'm, I'm increasingly surprised how many candidates I speak to who say, uh, oh, it's very refreshing to, to see your, your CEO um, be active on, on LinkedIn and, and like other people's posts and, and comments. Um, it gives a bit of a, a sneak peek into the, the company culture uh, and how the founders run the business. So we, we, we hired someone um, and I was just having a, having a chit chat with the individual earlier this week, just seeing um, how their first few weeks have been, why they joined us. Um, one thing uh, this individual said I found super interesting is when they had the final stage interview, they went on LinkedIn and looked at Ninefin's um, LinkedIn presence and really liked that our two co-founders um, consistently like uh, the team posts and comments. Um, it, it showed a very inclusive culture and gave a bit of an insight to what life at Ninefin is like. And that, um, interestingly, was one of the factors um, that helped make make up her decision to, to, to join us. How do you go about employee branding at Plaintific? Um, do you have a separate team? Is employee branding something that falls within um, your team as, as as talent, do you engage in external marketing agencies or do you have an internal marketing team? So can you just get your thoughts on that? It's been a big focus for us this year is our employer brand. I think there's there's a, a lot more we, we can do. There's a lot more that we, there's a lot we have done. Um, and, and I place a similar importance on it as, as, as you do as well. Um, but I think in terms of who, who owns it, I suppose, you know, it sits with us and it's something we we ultimately want to grow and i say that as a, as a talent team but 
again similar to to hiring people in general recruitment in general it's it's everyone it, it, it does that like and that share of that linkedin post makes a huge difference um so for us you know we, we i spoke earlier about celebrating wins whether they're small or very big that's fine within our our office or our closed the circle of plentific but let's tell the world let's go out and show that we had this fun event let's go out and show that we all got together to celebrate Diwali or whatever it may be, because that is ultimately what people want to, that's the, that's the one insight I think that, that perhaps lacks a little bit in most companies interview process. And we're now trying to bring that into our interview process a little bit as well, tell a little bit more of a story about what it's actually like to work here, allow candidates to ask questions about those kind of events and, and, and our social scene. But, even outside of employer branding, just, you know, as you said, branding in general, our, our, I mean, our, our CEO and co-founder, Jem, is, is very active, similarly active, it sounds, to, to yours on, on LinkedIn um, and often speaks at big conferences, big events, etc. And that helps to spread the word not only to potential clients and, and in terms of what we do, um, but also spread the word to, to candidates as well that, this is who we are, this is what we're doing, and this is how we're making a difference. Um, so there's work to be done, certainly on that. I don't think it ever stops. And, and I do I do really think we need to do more. Um, but but ultimately, we are making some some headway by, you know, we, we, we recently started interviewing new joiners and, and putting them up and, you know, allowing people to get insight from someone who's recently joined the business as to why they joined Plentific, how they found it, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we're seeing it make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think branding, any, any branding work is an ongoing initiative. It is, it's, not, it's not like setting up a, a survey on, on workable or whatever ATS and just making it go live. It's, um, it, it, it's something that needs to snowball over time. Now, you were instrumental in, in growing um, Plentific from from thirty or so when you when you joined to where it is now with global offices, is there anything you would do differently if you started all over again? Yeah, I, th I think we we touched it earlier. I think you you, you nailed it when you said um, about your story at Ninefin. I think I would have I've certainly pushed for for expanding the talent team or, or bringing in a talent person or 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 um or two a little sooner. I think I, I I took on a lot when it was just me, and I think that whilst we were all caught up in the in the madness, the excitement, the buzz of hiring and hiring at volume and at scale and at different locations, etc., perhaps I didn't quite pay enough attention to other longer term things that would have benefited us significantly, like interview training, um, playbooks, headcount projection, needs analysis, all those kind of things, and um, which you kind of have to. They're a lot easier to get right when you're smaller. Got, it's a much bigger challenge when you've scaled to 150, 200, and then you have to start trying to unpick how, almost how you got to that size, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I think certainly, you know, uh, started to build out a, a talent team. I'm not talking a, a massive team at all. Even just one person six months to a year sooner than, than, than we, we did hire them would have potentially made a, a difference. Drawing on your experience and all of your great learnings at Plentific, what would you advise from a talent perspective to any founders out there who have 
uh, a promising business around 20, 25, 30 or, or more employees close to nailing product market fit have raised a good amount of funding and are about to embark on a similar scale up journey. Um, is, there, is there anything that you think they should be doing, shouldn't be doing, anything that uh, they need to be putting in place to set them up for scale up success? Yeah, I think I think investing in a talent team sooner rather than later is one. Um, it will save so much time and money, um, even if it's just an advisor for a day or two, a week, a month. It will it will make a huge different a difference. Um, you know, I, th- I think talent acquisition still has this perception of being an easy job or an easy task to do that we we can do it ourselves, or we can find someone to do it, or the HR team can do it, or. Or, or whatever, but but then when people do attempt to do it on top of their their own their, their day jobs as well, you know they suddenly realise it takes it does take skill, it does take expertise, um, and a, and a huge amount of of resilience as well. Um, so I, I would say bring someone in whose sole role it is is to handle all things recruitment and talent development and all the other things we've we've spoken about today, and it will allow. It will allow themselves and, and importantly as well, the other senior leaders in the business to have space and time to focus on what they're good at. Um, when we spoke earlier about my early days at Plentific and me not changing much, one of the things I did do is sit down with hiring managers and ask ask what their views on recruitment are and, and what their pain points and frustrations are. And, and ultimately, to simplify it for, for, for ease of this podcast, it came down to, to the fact that they had to do it themselves the fact that they would only rely on 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 either job ads that they've created or agencies working on them but then having to everything scheduling interviews moving them and candidates you know inevitably need to move things chasing up case studies all, all the kind even the administrative side of things that goes behind it there's a huge amount that goes into it and, and ultimately that that needs to to be owned by someone it's a big enough role to be owned by someone so the sooner you bring someone in, the the, the the quicker you are to go through that hyper growth phase, you'll get things right. Um, I think otherwise, you know, mistakes, mistakes will happen. And look, on the agency's point, I've got nothing against agencies. Uh, I, I've, as I said, I've loved my time at one, still use some now. Um, but there is a huge amount of money that must go to the, that industry from startups and scale ups who don't have just simply for the fact they don't have an internal resource to to source and hire talent. And if we think about agency fees these days, it's only a, a small number of those. And that's your that's your annual salary for for someone to be to come in and be that dedicated talent person. Um, you know, I remember totting up how much money I, I must have saved plenty of in my first six months and nearly fell off my chair. So investing in an internal talent team is certainly good for the short, medium and the long term. Yeah, great, great advice. And uh, I definitely can echo that to any any founders out there who might be listening to this. Um, great. Well, look, I really enjoyed this. There's so much uh, we, we we managed to, or you managed to <laughs> pack, pack into this podcast. Lots of great insights there, Armani. Thank you so much for for taking the time. This, is, this has been an absolute blast. Um, I've whizzed through a lot of the questions and topics I had in this in the space that we had but I'm sure there's a lot more we can talk about so uh, hopefully I might be able to tempt you for part two at some point in the near future yeah no, no for sure I really enjoyed it let's um let's do the next one over a beer